0: Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection, and this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I um, have the word discriminate or discrimination on the brain. Um, It is not uh, in the realm of uh, talking about making an unjust distinction between demographics Groups of people based on race, gender, sex, and whatnot. So I'm not talking about that type of discriminate or discrimination. But the ability or just recognizing the distinction between one thing and another. Um, I'm not fully in love with that definition because I think that there is a judgment um, a, part in dis- a part of discriminating um, Is not just recognizing It's judging it's, it's making a difference Based on some type of judgment And I think that there's more action in that um, So before I hit the record button I just went to the internet To see what kind of definition I would come up with And so those are the two definitions that are there One is Based on an unjust Um Discriminate um, Making a distinction Mm-mm, I'm sorry you guys Making an unjust distinction Um You know based on These social constructs Race, gender, class, you know all that And so that was one definition And then the other one was just to Understand or recognize The difference Um between one thing and another, and I am not fully in love with that either, because I think that there's a judgment of, um, there's a judgment that happens in order to dis- to discriminate in order to make a difference to separate You're, it's judging it uh, so I don't know, maybe that's just because of what I want to talk about I don't know so discrimination is the, my starting point, or to discriminate is my starting point. And I'm not talking about racial or gender discrimination. I'm just going to talk about making a distinction. And that sits inside of a larger uh, thing that's on my brain uh, this morning um, about I'm, I'm really giving birth to something. I'm giving, I'm giving birth to something, what I don't know. And it's in the realm of social, um, and so I've said this to you guys this season. Season seven, we're in season seven It seems to be really dedicated to this thing called social. So I don't know if I told, did this before, but another thing I did before I hit the record button is I went into um, I went into all of my my episodes. To see how many times the word social was in the title. And I think it was like 10 times. I think. 15 times. I don't know. But the bulk of it was in 2020 when I was getting started with the project. Which is which is interesting. I don't go back and I don't, I don't listen to those episodes between June and December of 2020. But that's the first season. So, the bulk of those episodes about the social were located there. And then, um, there are a few in 2021. And then there's a cluster in 2023. There was nothing social in the title for 2022, which is interesting. I love to process that. So, I think that there's something that I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with, with the social. But I think I'm also giving birth. And then the last thing I'll say, and I'm going to do my disclaimers, is that um, I met with my heart coach yesterday. We have not connected in two months, so there's a story there. And she gave me the word to discriminate as it relates to the social. And I'm going to tell you more about that on the other side. So, um, discriminate, and social, whatever the thing I'm giving birth to, and um, and possibly um, a couple other items relating to business and my heart coach so we'll see where this reflection takes me but hey if you're new to this project this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds I do so by using personality theory the two theories that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram pushing those two systems together I identify as an INTJ8 this project is unedited and is unscripted to know more about it or me go to my website yournidom.wordpress.com okay so Um, If you are new to this project, there were a number of disclaimers that I omitted uh, from that. So, definitely um, go to the website to know more. Um, I think it's important to say that um, while I am big, big, big on personality theory, that is not enough in the absence of context. Um, And so... I follow a lot of people who talk about personality theory. And they insinuate the outer world or the environment. They implicate it. They insinuate it. But they don't do a deep dive into the outer world. And as a social scientist, I have a... Just as much as I have an appetite to understand the inner world through personality theories. I have... a maybe a greater interest I'm not sure these days but there used to be a time where I had a greater interest in studying the outer world and um, I can get pretty nuanced about that outer environment and I think the two come together especially those of us who are trying to grow and to self-actualize I think those two come together and so anybody and I said this on my I have a primary podcast um which is more focused on the outer world and I did an I did two episodes in that podcast uh, project about the inner about personality theory. And in that series, which was only two episodes, I make an argument. I'm like, we can study the outer world and we can critique it, we can criticize it, but until we understand what's happening to us on the inner in the inner world and how that outer impacts the inner, then our work. In terms of social justice and social change, is incomplete if we don't have an understanding of that inner. And I'm going to flip that into this project podcast number two, and we can understand that inner world as much all day long. But if we don't understand that outer world, it, it's the, the analysis is incomplete. And so that's just something I like to remind my listeners, um, you know, periodically. Uh, Because I think it's important. So here we truly do the inner and the outer world. Okay. So I met with my heart coach yesterday and I have not connected with her in two months. And, um, And like I told her yesterday, I'm still needing a break from her. Yet, I need to process this thing that's happening with my person because it's getting real. It's getting so real, I can't handle it. Like, I cannot handle it. And I'm afraid that um, me not handling it is going to be incredibly disruptive for me in, my, in terms of my wellness and my forward motion. But I don't really know what handling it is. So, after I met with my heart coach yesterday, I... Stopped at one of my favorite pubs. <laughs> and. Um, I. um But I'm not. Because I don't live in the area. I don't. I probably. I probably visited. Once every few months. But there was a time. I was going several times a week. If not more. So I was in there. And it was a guy sitting next to me. He was friendly. And he's been. A patron of that pub. He said for 25 years. I said. Well for me. I'm 20 years. And he and I. I don't. I don't ever remember us talking. But when I told him how I used to set up shop in that pub when I was working, um, not working remote, but I was uh, doing some, I was an adjunct professor. So a bulk of the work as an adjunct is planning the curriculum, getting the online learning space set up, and... um. Um, grading papers. I'm sorry. I knew there was one other thing. Grading papers, talking with students. That doesn't happen in a classroom at the higher ed level, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would set up camp and set up an office. That was right after my grandmother had passed away. And after the relationship, my relationship ended, rendering me virtually homeless and um and so i just would just go there to get away and when i told him i set up camp into the told the two spots that i would work in he was like oh yeah i remember you but we still had never spoken so anyway this guy had um lost his husband five years ago his husband passed away from lung cancer so, I found that conversation to be soothing for me. Um, because just listening to him talk through it and, um, talk through the pain. You guys, I'm a little scattered right now because something is coming up for me that's not about discriminating. And I hope you guys give me permission. I'm going to follow it. Uh, I'm going to follow it a little bit. Um that's the that's the dangers of starting off with a topic that i'm not overly committed to (laughs) but we'll see i'm gonna we'll see we'll see what happens but hopefully you'll hang in here with me god i'm i'm sorry you guys i'm gonna i'm gonna be a little bouncy i'm gonna jump around so hopefully just buckle up okay i'm gonna be a little bouncy okay let me go back to when i was meeting with my heart coach yesterday and one of the things I told my heart coach is that I said, you know, this thing with my person. If you're new to me, you guys, um, I'm, um, I have a person that was diagnosed with cancer in January. And it was just at stage one. And then it moved to stage three. We're at stage four. And the key, her, the chemo is no longer, her body isn't responding to the chemo. So now she's on a trial. And uh, there's so much there. God is so much there. Um, you guys, it is. This is really hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I really wish. Ooh, I wish I could explain to you guys how hard this is. So I was talking to my heart coach. That's one of the reasons why I put, I put myself on a break with my heart coach because we've been having some turbulence. You have to go back and listen to some other episodes to um, get a sense of that. I, I'm not going to unpack that now. And I want to stay on a break with her. Like I need some distance from her. Yet, there's this other thing that's getting loud and big and I'm not handling it well. But you don't know it on the surface. Nobody knows that I'm not handling it on the, on, um, well, even my, even me. I'm just going about my building my business, making sure I'm taking care of my, my, my sense of security, right? still trying to do my social because there's something in the social world I'm trying to do I'm going about my business and doing all of that yet there's this raging storm this scream this fear this anger this incredible anguish grief I don't even know if I'm hitting the right emotions but it's in there it's in there and I'm afraid of it I'm afraid of it y'all um, and here's why I'm afraid of it. Because I'm, I'm walking around as though do doo, 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 everything is normal. And it's not normal. And I'm not even walking around like consciously suppressing all of those deep emotions. No. I'm not even aware of them. Intellectually, I know that they're there. But it's not like I'm feeling them. Until I'm around my person. So what I found is that I'm finding I'm finding it okay to not be around my person and that's horrible. So my relationship with my person isn't the best. That's shitty. That complicates the grief. That complicates all of the feelings. Because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure how to grieve that. How do you grieve how do you grieve with a situation? That was bumpy. How do you grieve that? Yet here I am grieving it, but I'm not sure what I'm grieving. So when it's time to talk about it, I'm choked up. Like I'm muzzled. I'm congested. I don't know what to say because the shit is complicated. And unless you've been in a complicated love relationship with somebody, you don't understand. So anyway, okay, I'm just, we're going to ride this one out. Y'all, we're just going to ride it out. So, so I I decided to meet with my heart coach, even though I'm like, I need a break from the chick. (laughs) I really like her though, but I I need a break because I'm angry with her and I need to make sense of that. You could be angry with somebody, but still care about somebody. And so do you guys hear it? I hear it. And my heart coach tapped into it. There's a parallel that's happening between my heart coach and my person as I'm relating to them. There's this push-pull. There's a love and then there's an anger. There's a love and then there's a numbness. There's this frustration. But there's a numbness. And then there's this feeling. And then there's maybe a third element is there's a... The higher self of me is like, well, really, that's a good person. Really, here are their virtue, here are their good qualities. So I'm, I'm pinging between those three states, as it relates to my heart coach and my person. The irony can't, shouldn't be missed. So I appreciated my heart coach yesterday when she challenged. She it wasn't a hard challenge; it was a soft question. She was like, "Do you think any of that stuff that is going on with your person?" Do you think you're projecting that onto me? And I'm like, I believe that there is a parallel. I don't know to what degree. I don't know where the parallel begins. Does the parallel begin with the projection? Oh, I'm projecting onto onto my heart coach the things I should be contending with my person. And because I can't contend with them with my person, I'm going to. Um, project it onto my heart coach And then I'm going to fight it out with her Because I it's it's not fun to fight it out with my heart coach But that's That's a fight I can do Because there's other situations I can't do it, Especially because First of all the battle isn't named Right With my heart coach We can name the battle We may not agree but we can name the battle With my person I can't name the battle So you can't fight It's hard to fight something you can't name And then number two I don't like to use the word dying, but it is not looking good. How do you fight when a person is fighting for their life? And then I feel so incredibly selfish. Selfish. What the hell is wrong with me? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm saying it to you, like you, who you listening to me right now. You are real right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> how do you fight that fight when somebody is fighting for their life how do you do that and so then it again it then it renders me back in the silence place and then i'm numb it is horrible it's horrible if i say maybe i'm just going to say it's horrible for the rest of the podcast anyway so so my heart coach asked the question am i projecting on her and I think that there is some of that because that's an easier fight to have with her. Yes. But I don't think the real projection or the parallel, excuse me, is in the projection part. It's in the fight part. I think the real parallel is my inability to do intimacy because my most critical model for intimacy was Turbulent that's something that I've been processing and I may have I think there have been a few episodes this season where the word intimacy has come up. This is something that's been as I've been processing social this word concept of intimacy is right there. This is where I'm start I'm realizing I don't have a model of what healthy intimacy is. I don't know. So you guys know when you are driving and something comes up in the road you didn't see it you make this you like jar swerve the car to the left but if you then you can swerve the car all the way to the right because you went too far to the left so you swerve to the left to avoid the object in the road, but then you realize you went too far left and then you go too far right to fix the fact that you went too far left so it's overcorrecting. I don't know if this metaphor is working. If you can see it. But that's what it feels like. That there's this overcorrecting that I'm trying to do with intimacy. And I'm just getting to the turn to the space where I'm understanding. I don't have a healthy model of what intimacy is. And chances are. Now the other part of me as a social scientist is like there's a lot of people out here that don't have healthy models of intimacy and we all are doing this jacked up ass intimacy work and that's why we are in we can't stay married well it's not the fact it's not the divorce that's the problem it's the marriage that's the problem you went into a marriage before you even understood what a healthy model or concept of intimacy was And then you get into that marriage and you start trying to work that intimacy problem out. And you just can't because you didn't have it worked out before you got into the damn marriage. It's a separate conversation, but it relates. I can see this on me now. I don't have a healthy model of intimacy. And that for me, not only plays out in romance because I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the romance right now. And I feel like I'm like, I'm ready. But am I? Because am I, am I really ready to do romance? Because I'm telling you, and I've said it in a, a number of times in this project, this season, I'm not doing certain things. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Well, hell, do you want to do it? Well, if romance includes this, 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 and this, I'm not doing it. <laughs> So, we've got a problem. <laughs> we've got a dilemma. So, the romance piece, is <laughs> a dilemma, but I'm not really in anything that's making me have to wrestle with it. But the friendship piece, friendship requires intimacy. And one of the things I'm coming to terms with, and as I'm going I'm to say it out loud, you listening to me, I think people who listen to me on a regular basis can actually hear things before I can hear them. Isn't that interesting? Can actually hear my truth. Before I can hear them. And I think that's the problem of having tertiary FI. Because I don't know my truth. That's why I have to have. My body has to give me true sensations. For me to go. Oh I just hit on the truth. So anyway. I'm going to say a truth you guys. And you're probably like. Yep we knew that already. But for me. I'm just coming to terms with it. Or like I said a couple of weeks ago, I was today years old. So um, I'm realizing that culturally, I can't do intimacy. I want to just there's more. That's an incomplete statement, but let me just leave it there in its incompleteness because I want to juxtapose it against something right quick. So culturally, I can't do intimacy, which is not a complete thought, but let's go there. So what I've been doing is overcorrecting, going into a different culture where I know I can't do intimacy, and I don't even try to do intimacy there. So I already know this other culture isn't going to let me do intimacy, and I'm like, it is okay, whatever. So what I've done now is I've positioned myself. Well, I'm not even attempting to do work, any intimacy work right now. I don't know how long I've been in this state. A couple of years, maybe five, maybe a few months. I don't really know. I, I, I'm going to have to spend some time. How long have I been avoiding intimacy culturally within my primary culture? And then situating myself in another culture where I know I'm not going to be able to do intimacy and it's almost like a place of hiding or false intimacy. The guy, Patrick, the social worker guy that I follow on YouTube that deals with childhood trauma, adults who survived childhood trauma. He's got some really good content. If you are an adult survivor of childhood content, Um, sign up to my newsletter, go to, and I, um, although I, am I'm on vacation, so I will be getting caught up and I'm not even, I said, I'm going to stop talking about those damn newsletters until they're out there, but I'm bringing it up now because in those newsletters, I have a number of links from Patrick that I find, I found really helpful, but, um, I think I've done some YouTube videos for responding to him, um, Anyway, anyway, you can just look him up. I can't think of it. He, I can't think of his last name right now. But anyway, it's good, good content. And he talks about cheap intimacy. Growing up in a family, a, a, a toxic family, it does cheap intimacy at best. And that's what I was doing. Yet I wasn't happy in that cheap intimacy. And I've known early on, as a kid, as a kid I knew, I didn't have the language, <laughs> but I knew that the, the love thing that my family did wasn't the love that I wanted to be a part of. And I, I didn't want to be okay with it. And so I spent a good portion of my life trying to help my family to see what I could see, that there's another kind of love. Another kind of intimacy. And it just isn't going to work because that is a survival technique that they do. They're not doing it to be mean. They're doing it because of their own woundedness. Which is why, in my disclaimers, I didn't say it today, but which is why I say I come from intergenerational trauma. Because I want to be very clear. I'm not the only one battling and surviving trauma in my family. And when your trauma and my trauma is in this small space together, yes, it's going to bump up against each other and it's going to feel shitty, but it ain't just you being shitty to me. I'm probably feeling shitty to you. And so, anyway. So, I don't know if I'm talking about cheap intimacy, but I will say that it is broken intimacy and for whatever reason that feels different to say cheap intimacy versus broken i think because for me i'm try- i've been really working hard to bypass the cheap intimacy like nope i don't i know what, i don't want to do that don't want to do that yet what i'm doing isn't working either and so i'm just coming to terms with the fact that my intimacy apparatus could really be broken i don't know i don't know t- i don't know but this is something i've been processing this season, and maybe, maybe in the last few weeks. So, while I, on one hand I'm not doing cheap intimacy, the, the 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 intimacy map that was given to me by my family, I I'm trying to be honest and do some critical self reflection. Is your intimacy apparatus broken? No, you're not doing cheap at intimacy. But maybe your intimacy apparatus is broken. And that leads to discrimination. When my heart, I'm sorry, I'm going to get back to the guy. I told you I'm bouncing, y'all. But when my heart coach, reason why my heart coach brought up this concept of discrimination is because, and I don't like when she does this. So I said to her, hey, one of the things I'm coming to terms is that I felt harmed by you. Now, she didn't act in defense initially, but, you know, we meet for about over an hour, about an hour and a half. And then she comes back and she says, later, maybe uh, after I told her I'd been angry with her because of some, just some, some harm. And and I just, and I talked later. I said, I know I'm not going to be in relationships with people and they're hurting me. I'm not going to do that. And I'm okay with I'm okay with saying I'm sensitive to harm. I don't like saying it. I didn't like it in the, saying it in the past, but now I'm like, okay, if that's what we're gonna say, then okay, call me sensitive to harm. Then I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be in a relationship that is harming me and slapping the word love on top of it. I love you while you harm me. I'm not doing that. So later in the conversation, she goes, well, we all harm each other. And I hate it because that feels defensive. And I'm not, and I really like, what the hell do you want me to do with that statement? I'm going to come back and ask her that. What the hell do you want me to do with that statement? When I say, I'm not doing intimacy and harm. And then you come back and say... Well, we all harm each other. Oh, fuck. To me, it's just a dumb thing to say. And if it's not dumb, then I need you to educate me because I'm the one that's dumb then. Because for me, that's a dumb thing to say. So, anyway, so one thing that came out of that conversation that I really like is the idea of discriminating harm. Cause we talked about it. I said, "Yeah." She's like, "Well, we all harm each other." And then, like, no, I don't know. Yes, we can harm each other on a service, but I'm not talking about that kind of harm. Because I think that if you, if I'm in a relationship with you and I feel that you've harmed me, I'm like, "Hey, yo, remember when you did that thing? Can we talk about it?" And we talk about it, and then we realize, "Oh, that felt harmful." Oh, okay, and we talk it through, or. We talk it out, and and you say what you did. I'm like, oh, I didn't know you did that. I thought you did something else. Oh, what you did, what you did do, wasn't harmful. It was what I thought you did that was harmful. Oh, that was a misunderstanding, right? It's in the conversation. I'm okay with doing that. So I'm not walking around. I'm when I say I'm sensitive to harm. My sensitivity isn't that every little thing of harm. I'm like, oh, you hurt my feelings. I'm out of here. No, I don't, I don't. I feel like I got a thicker skin than that. I've got greater tolerance than that. And I've got bigger fish to fry than to walk around falling apart by every act of harm. That's not, no, I don't, because I keep it moving. But what I do is, I'm talking about when I try to have a conversation with you about it and you can't handle it or you want to defend it or you want to, Tell me I'm wrong for feeling that way. Then there was a time in my past where I would fight you for that. Not physically fight you. But I would wrestle with you on that. On trying to make a case that what you did was harmful. And why I i don't do that anymore. You know what I do now? I bring it up to you. You defend it. You ignore it. You deny it. Whatever you do. I'm deuces. Two fingers up. I'm out. I don't have time to play I'm not playing, mm mm, and I move on. That's how I've been doing it. Okay, that works. It really does work, actually. But here's the problem. I'm doosing a lot of people. I'm not, I'm not doing. I'm not doing it now. There's nobody around now. I have decided every like, no, I'm not doing. I'm not hanging out with you. I'm not hanging out with you. I'm not hanging out with you. And so I, I think this point that my heart coach is raising. It's valid I think it's incomplete I, this is what i don't this is what I don't like about her I think her our her, her analysis is incomplete she only knows what she knows, so she doesn't think it's incomplete and I'm going to stand firmly and say it's incomplete because she's not bringing some analytical tools to the table that i'm bringing and I'm okay. I don't bring the analytical tools to the table that she brings, but I'm like bring it then. Like if you see something I don't see then I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. I'm about <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm going to say something so corny. I'll bear with me. What I would say, <laughs> I'm about that life. <laughs> bring it. I'm about that life, right? <laughs> But basically say I'm about that life. Is I can handle it, I can roll with it, right? It's such an old expression. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. But anyway, um, so yeah, I'm really about trying to self-actualize. Like uh, my objective and my priority is self-actualization. I ain't got time to be upset because you revealed something about me that I don't like. If you if there's something about me that needs to be revealed, let's reveal it. And uh, I'm going to deal with it because I'm trying to get I'm trying to do this self thing called self-actualization, if that is possible. And so far in my brain, I'm still working on it. You know, I just think it's a valid, it's a valid approach to life. It's my approach to life. So, but you can't sit back and not give me the thing that you say and then, and hold me to not knowing it. See, I, I'm I can give you, I can do it. Yeah, I'm gonna get off into a I'm gonna get into a rabbit hole. Let me back out of this. But the point is, I feel like this is a hard, this is complicated. So well, this is part of the conflict with that I'm having with her. We come from different disciplines. She's a psychologist. Excuse me. Excuse me. Nope, she's not a psychologist. She's actually a psychiatrist. But we don't do that type of work. And I'm like, we, and we've been working together for seven years. And in the beginning, I begged her, like, do a diagnosis. Give me a diagnosis, please. For se- and nope. She was like, this is what I just think is going on. You know, and she really put a lot of emphasis on the environment. And something happened, I would say, this year. It may have happened a couple of years before it was maybe emerging. But this year, it was really clear that now she's trying to, she's not focused on the environment. She's now centering on me. Okay, I think I said, so you mean it took you seven years to come up with a diagnosis for me? That doesn't, that doesn't even seem logical. What the hell? What the hell have I been paying you for seven years to do then? took you seven years to come up with a diagnosis? You've got to be better than that, sweetie. What profession gives you seven years to figure out your damn job? No. So, so that's that. So, um... And I think what she's saying, I think what she's trying to say in the diagnosis is that my woundedness from my family has wounded me in the world, and so I'm not interacting in the world right. And that I think that there's some validity to that. But what? But this is the incomplete part. Okay, here it is. This is the incomplete part. Um, at some point, so we're going to talk about my woundedness. I'm okay. Let's do it. I'm about that life. (laughs) Let's do it. But at some point, we're going to heal the woundedness while I'm still in that environment that caused the wounding. That doesn't make sense. So, we also need to talk to me about how do I get out of the world that caused the wounding. Because you healing me for a world that broke me doesn't make an ounce of sense to me. Make that make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Uh, And I don't know. Am I being defensive? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. So anyway, I I probably have been in several rabbit holes. I'm going to try to make my way back. So one of the things that. So let's just go back to me being ultra sensitive for harm, which I don't think that's the case. But what is valid is. I've gotten, I've become so proficient with being able to recognize harm and being able to decide and protect myself. Wait, let me say it different. I've become so proficient in recognizing harm, in um, deciding that I don't deserve that harm. And to take action as a result. Now, this is important, okay? This, that, that is important. That middle, that second thing I said is really important. So, with the first thing is recognizing harm. The second thing I said was making a decision that I don't deserve that harm and then taking action. See, I think it's somewhere along this line, I could recognize the harm. But because of my model of love, my model of love and intimacy was riddled with harm. I grew up learning that love is also harmful. So as a kid growing up and feeling the harm and going, this doesn't feel right. And they're like, oh, she loves you. Oh, she just what, what did that? What's the result of that? I learned that love was hurtful. Okay. So I went out in the world and I started doing friends, friendships. Well, fr- friendships were harmful, but that's what love is. So I'm going to ride it out until I couldn't. And what I had to do in the last five years is to learn. Now, this is going to sound so cheesy. I'm sorry if this is annoying you. It, 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 it's annoying me. So we're on the same page, <laughs> but that, it's real. And what did what I say my grandfather saying? Tell the truth. And shame the devil. That's what I have to do. I got to tell the truth and shame the devil. It's cheesy and mm, as ridiculous as it sounds. It is. It just is. I don't deserve to be harmed. And I'm getting an FI sensation right now, y'all. There's a, a cry in me that just wanted to come out. And that sounds so freaking basic. Who has to take? 50 years to learn that they don't deserve to be harmed. Who who has to learn that? Apparently, I do. Because that experience of growing up in the love-harm kind of um, paradigm. You think, well, there must be something about me that would require... You love me, but you're hurting me, so it must be something I'm doing... And that doesn't even sound right. And in my mind, I'm like, did I really believe that I didn't deserve, excuse me, did I really believe that I deserved to be harmed? I don't think I consciously believed it, but I think, I I do believe it was unconscious. Because I tolerated it. Well, I tolerated it in part because I was told, well, this is love. And I think there was a... I don't think that it was ever really acknowledged the harm. So when I tried to tell people the harm, I don't think that they even acknowledged it. I don't think they thought it was real. I don't know. I'm going to have to sit with that a little more. That feels a little bit underdeveloped. That thought isn't... I'm not. That's not done. I need to spend some more time with that. But I, I think there is some truth to... Me having to learn, I don't deserve that. Mm-mm, I ain't dealing with that. Let me let me put it this way. Your wellness. This is it. Here it is. Your wellness does not take precedence over my wellness. That is what I had to learn, and I think that is where I'm talking about deserving and not being deserving of harm. Because I believe. Now, this is something I believe consciousness, that I should put myself, t- my knees, park my knees, lay down my knees, because the person in front of me has a need, and I should attend to that before I attend to myself. Now, let's be very clear. This is not my my MO in the world. This is my MO in intimacy. I don't do this with in regular relationships and work, with space, strangers, no, no, but in intimacy spaces, it's all. Excuse my language, but it's all fucked up because I don't know what the normal, healthy intimacy model is. And so, growing up, I received harm, and then when that caregiver said was in pain and in harm, I laid down that. I laid down that feeling of self protection. To care for her. And this is part of the. comp. I'm bouncing you guys. Buckle up. I mean stay buckled. Because I'm going to jump a little bit. Alright. I hope you guys are following this. this. I'm sorry if this is so odd. This is weird. I'm doing the best I can in this reflection. I really am. But one of the things I've been feeling guilty about. Is a numbness when I'm around my. Person. The one that's. In stage four cancer. I can't feel. And I feel guilty about that. I should have feelings. Now, when my grandmother was dying, I didn't have all the feelings there, but I could have, I could access. I thought I wasn't feeling, but when I look at what I'm dealing with now, Oh my gosh, I was feeling a lot with my grandmother, even though I didn't acknowledge that. let me say this. I'm afraid this is another rabbit hole, but let's see. One of the things when my grandmother was dying is that I became so analytical. And I started really researching a lot of obscure concepts. And my, the metaphors were like jumping out of me like crazy. I couldn't write, I couldn't write enough to 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 con- address all of the the thoughts and the thinking that um, happened to me. And because when I'm crying, I cry analytically. That's one form of crying for me. It's my it's my primary mode of crying. To be analytical. So while I wasn't crying in a traditional sense with tears, I mean, there were times when I did it, but no, I was, most of my crying was through analysis and I was analyzing a lot. Said family, the universe, science. I'd usually go into the sciences when I'm doing that. But with my personal, I can't even do an analysis so that's how cut off I am. And one thought hit me, one thought hit me, one thought hit me, um, one thought hit me um, I'm sorry, within the last two days is that it is possible that the reason why I can't feel my own feeling towards my person is because I was raised to feel her feelings. Her feelings were always first. I was raised to be responsible for her feelings. To be burdened by them. I was responsible for her. And when I finally found the words to say that to her, she got angry. But it's true. Once you get off of that anger, we can sit down, we can talk that through. I can make that case. I'm, I'm really confident about that. But that doesn't really help me to win that argument because right now, part of me feels like I can't feel my own feelings right now because I'm feeling her feelings. I'm so consumed with how does she feel and wanting to help her. (sighs) I'm sorry. That's it. I'm so overwhelmed. How she might be feeling right now, it's gotta be so scary. So, so I think that's one part of me not being able to feel, and I think the other part is. I, in my liberatory space, not when I was being raised to be responsible for feelings, but as I learned to survive that situation, I learned to cut my, those feelings, that, that channel off. That, that, there's a channel, there's a, a channel between us that's painful. So to stop that pain, I'm gonna cut that channel down. And I think that that's part of it too. And I feel guilty about that. That I've become so practiced to be like, I'm not feeling that. I know, nope, we're not, that, that, there's no pathway for, it. there's no pathway for us to have an emotional relationship. Because the emotions are negative. So we're gonna stop, we're gonna just, just butt this is going to be such a good reflection for me to go back and listen to it because I feel like there are all of these nuances to it you know hold on a second okay I had to put pause just for a few seconds because I'm sitting in my car I forgot to mention that to you I like to tell you so you probably heard the car running um so I came down to my one of my favorite spots to sit by the water. That's always soothing for me and uh but it's it's winter time. If uh are we officially in winter yet? Anyway, it's cold. And uh so I'm sitting in my car and it's it's was well, like it's right now 6:30. In the morning, but I've been in the car here for a minute. So, anyway, I think another part of this is that my person and her siblings grew up in a space where they too had to cut themselves off from emotions as a form of survival. And there are people who don't like when I say this, but there's seven of them, of the siblings. One is passed on, and that was the one who didn't have kids. So the the other, excuse me, there was seven of them, one passed on, and the one who passed on didn't have kids. So the six remaining of the siblings, they all had kids. And all of us. All of the offspring from those siblings engage in some type of recreational substance. So you guys know I'm a wine and tequila person. I'm primarily a tequila person. Right. And I, I would say in the last 10 years, um, probably longer than that, just have been very conscious about having a healthy relationship with adult beverages. You guys have heard me talking about it, right? And so that's my commitment to it. And I think most days I get it right. And then when I find myself in a season where my relationship is unhealthy or um, on on the edge of being unhealthy, I am able to notice that, recognize it, because it's something I, I spend a lot of time Uh, I've spent a great deal of consciousness about it because of this whole self-actualization and part of that is being healthy. And I'm trying to have this conversation with my sister and we're just, you know, we're starting to have that conversation about it's okay to indulge recreationally. And it's, you know, there's a number, for me it is, in my opinion, I said, but you've got to learn when you're indulging in it's unhealthy you got to be able to recognize that sorry that was the window and so um so we've been having those conversations but it's 13 of us it's 13 of the offspring it's 12 or 13 the offspring of the offspring and all of us and then, and 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 like my sister and i just do adult beverages like but then the other people do some other things. Now, what's fascinating about this story is that those siblings are all dry. They all swore off alcohol. They all swore off substance because their father, my grandfather, was an alcoholic. And so they grew up in a house with an alcoholic. And so all of them swore off alcohol. And I've talked about this before. And, it's, and they're proud of that. Not only did they swear off alcohol, over half of them became ministers and preachers. If you go and research and study what adult children of alcoholic parents do, it's this it's right here. It's, it's, it's textbook. It's just textbook. Well, I call them dry drunks. Because you're not indulging in the alcohol, but you've not done any healing work. So then as you've parented You've given your kids what your parent gave you. You just weren't drinking with it. That's a dry drunk. And now all of us in our, the cracks that you, that we got from your parenting, this is one of the copings. Not right. And my fear, and one of the reasons, one of the reasons why I didn't reproduce, I didn't want to be responsible for passing that shit down. So I knew that I needed to be in a healthy relationship. I never said I wasn't going to have kids. But I also never felt like I had to have kids. What has been most important for me is to heal, to grow, to self-actualize. And wanting to find a partner to do that with, then we can raise kids together. And it, it just was what it was. It was what it was. It is what it is. So anyway... So I said all of that, you know, at the risk of just putting my family's business out there in the world. And, I, you know, I'm, believe it or not, I am protective. There was no, you know, there's no way I would say this under my primary podcast. But I am, am, I am aware that this particular project will become part of my primary work. And I have to contend with that. But I try to be as respectful as possible. And in that saying that is that this is work so when you are you inherit you was if that trauma is passed down to you you've got work to do and and to their credit the way they did the work was by saying no to alcohol to so that was their knowledge that was the problem we're going to fix the problem we're not going to drink that solves it it doesn't but they don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. And this speaks to another part of my dilemma in the social world because I have studied in the social sciences. So the knowledge that I have is not not it is not common knowledge. So I cannot hold them to, a, to knowledge that I have gained by being in school for almost 30 years. So that wouldn't be fair to judge them based on knowledge that they don't have. So, but that's the thing. So I think that, I think that me, that, 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 what is, what did I call it? A channel between my person and me. And I learn one of the things I eventually learned to do. And I think I learned to do this in my late twenties and my thirties. Is I learned to cut that channel off. I, I probably perfected it then. And one time my person accused me of being so cold hearted. Not one time, many times. Mm, not many t- I got accused of being cold hearted later in life. And my person said so several times, what did I deserve? What did I do? To raise such a cold hearted daughter? Or what did I do to have such cold heartedness come? It was, I was like, I learned this from you. I learned how to cut myself off emotionally because you cut yourself off emotionally. You taught me how to do that. And that is very much alive and active right now and I feel shitty about it because I think at this stage of life you need the love so my sister came into town and she is loving on our person and I'm so happy I'm happy that my sister is doing that. I can't do it. I cannot do it the way my sister does it. And I have a little guilt about it, but I just don't have it. But here's what I say: You give me a list of things you want me to do, I will do the list. I will do it well. But that's not the kind of caring that my person wants. And that's the same situation I had with my dad. My dad wanted me to do things for him. He, my dad died of cancer 2 years ago. Towards the end he wanted me to do things that he'd been what that he'd been wanting me to do. My father wanted us to go in business together. My father wanted me to work his business. Now like, I got my own business I'm trying to get going even when it's delayed, even when I'm confused about it. I still have my own business. So what I said towards his end of life, I said, dad, here's what I'll do. I'll give you so many hours a week. And whatever you want me to do in those hours, I'll do it. If you want me to spend that time cleaning in your house? Fine. If you want me to spend that time taking care of your, your wife, taking her to, to, to places, I'll do it. If you want me to work in your business, I will do it. But he, I put a boundary. I put a limit to it. I'm going to give you 3 hours. I don't remember the number of hours, but I said I'm going to He was so offended by that. And you listening to me, you're probably like, "I would have been offended too." I don't get it. I don't know if this is my INTJness, but I don't get it. You you cannot have me unlimited. I'm sorry you didn't I you just can't have me unlimited. And is it, is it a shitty thing for me to say that you didn't give me, you, you didn't raise me in an unlimited way. I didn't have unlimited access to you, dad. Is that shitty? I don't think that that's being retaliatory. I'm just saying this is the map you gave me. This is now what I've learned to do. It is baked in my wiring. You cannot have me in an unlimited way. But I think that that's how people care for each other. Unlimited. I don't know if that's healthy, though. Because when you get into this unlimited space, then it impedes your ability to take care of yourself. How do you take care of yourself when you're taking care of someone else in a boundless way? So I told my dad, I said, I'm going to give you so many hours a week, whatever you want. That was That was a gift. Because there are things I did not want to do. But as he was facing end of life, I'm like, yo, I'm going to do it for you. He didn't like that. He was mad. So I get it all boiled down to me being able to listen to him talk on the phone. And that's what I did. But with my person, it's very similar. I said, I said to her uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe last week I said, give me a list. I'll work the list. That's cold, that feels cold, even for me as an i n t j that feels cold. A person doesn't want to be loved through a list. <laughs> you know they're like whatever you need, but my person is known for, in my opinion, taking advantage of people's love for her because she wants to be treated in this as a queen and I call her a I call her a princess now watching how people take care of her. I said, "You're a princess." I can't do that. I, I just can't do it. I am you know and am like I got told my heart coach, "Am I gonna regret that one day?" Maybe, <clears throat> but am I, I I'll have to I'll have to confront that when I get there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Um I can't do it I cannot be limitless with her because limitless is painful it's harmful I can't do it I'm sorry so I'm watching my sister do limitless care but I'm also watching my sister set boundaries and I'm watching some hurtful things and I'm watching how my sister responds to that hurt I'm watching it. I'm studying it. Like, how does she discriminate? This is kind of like getting back to that word discrimination. What my heart coach wants me to do. And I think it's a really good assignment in terms of my sensitivity to harm to be like, I'm going to tolerate this harm, but I'm not tolerating that harm. So I'm watching my sister discriminate. I'm watching her. I'm watching how she sets boundaries. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling vindic not vindicated, I'm feeling validated. I'm feeling affirmed because I'm watching my sister wince and, and take issue with some things that are harmful. My sister's never going to get the fullness of it though, that I get, though. Because my sister plays a different role in the script, in the trauma script. We've, I've talked about that before. But, nonetheless, I'm sorry, but it does feel good. Um, This is a, this is a horrible thing to say. It doesn't feel good that my sister is being harmed. Like, no, not at all. But it feels good to see that that is a thing. That is a part of the care work that I would have to embrace. And I'm trying to avoid that. I'm like, I'm trying to be as caring and as loving as possible, but I don't want to do I don't want to have to do harm. I don't want to have to receive harm in order to show you I love you. To show you that I'm caring for you. To show you that I'm here for you in this incredibly scary, scary season. I am here for you. I'm here with you. But it does not include me laying down and being subjected to harm. It does not. It does not include that it does not for me I'm drawing the line so well I have guilt about that maybe no, like I said I just have to cross that bridge when I get there so I don't even know how but now that's when I that's that's That complicates it. So I think there's a lot of numbness. There's a lot of. um, It's just a lot. There's a lot in terms of that. Care channel between the two of us. Some of it is because I was raised to. To be emotionally cut off. Mm -mm, I wasn't raised to be emotionally cut off. That's not true. I was raised with that as a model of care. That being cut off number two but I was raised to to care for her in spaces and ways that she was not able to care for me number three I've been liberated I now know what harm is and like I said before I now know I don't deserve to be on the receiving end of shittiness I don't deserve it and I'm not doing it I'm just not going to do it I'm not doing that. Now, getting back to what my heart coach said, you know, being sensitive to harm and everybody harms each Everybody. I, every time I think about her saying that to me, I'm like, what the hell? Why did you say that? And so I said to my heart coach yesterday, I said, listen, it has taken me a long time To recognize, to be able to know that that behavior, that thing, those words, that's all about harm. I had to be okay with that because I could feel it and then I would like play these mental games on that stuff. But maybe, well, they didn't mean blah, blah, blah. No, no, I have the words now. I I have the knowledge now. No. So whereas I felt it, but I know I got the, the T has been in my T in terms of an INTJ has now been empowered to be able to put a frame around that thing. And I don't deserve that. I don't care if I'm not pretty. I don't care if I'm not smart. I don't care if I'm not likable. I don't care. All the things, all of the things that you can say about me, I don't care. I don't deserve that. And I'm not tolerating it. And I'm, I've got a really, really high level of proficiency in being able to, to not subject myself to someone's harm. And I'm not telling my... Same thing I'm going... Now, it's a very similar thing that's happening with my sister. It is taking me a minute. Because I'm like, these things that you're doing, they feel harmful. But no, you love me. And this is what I've been going through with her. And then, starting in June, and even in this last visit... No, I'm not doing that. So even if... Hey, that thing that you did and you weren't trying to be harmful... That's fine. That is fine. But guess what? I'm not doing that with you. Whether you mean to do it or not, I won't be playing that game. I won't be a bystander to that. At all. Not at all. So... Well, it is what it is, so... Recognizing it. Determining that I don't deserve that... And then I would say the third thing is taking action. And I would say that's the part I probably need to do. I don't have the as much proficiency in that area as I would like. Because I can recognize it. I can determine I don't deserve it. And because with other people, all those friends, I cut them off. I could take action. I just haven't been able to consistently do that with my family. I've gotten a lot better by distancing myself. But I think healing work is so much more than that. It's not just about cutting yourself off from people who hurt you. It's about learning how to go to health, find healthy people and be in relationships with them. And I don't know how to do that. But I think that's what I'm giving birth to. I think that's the thing I'm really wrestling with this season in the whole social slash intimacy. And I think there's some spirituality in there because... Spiritually, I believe that we all have a right to be well and we all have a right to self actualize. That's what the whole purpose of us being in this dimension is about being our best selves and doing whatever assignment we were given. I just, that's now, is that an absolute truth? Is that a fact? I don't know and I don't care. That's the truth that I am living by. I've lived by that we were, I was born, we were born. To do an assignment, to do good—that <clears throat> not that sound type one, but do to do something meaningful in the world, and to become better, and uh, that's my that's my commitment, and I want to do social in partnership or in tandem with that con- that commitment, and social can't override that spiritual commitment that i have to be at one with myself it just can't and i think that this is the part of the pickup with my heart coach because she i don't she doesn't have fi she has ni she's an infj so she F she understands ni she even understands inferior se but she doesn't have fi And that FI is a beast. Even if it's tertiary, it's still a beast. Because it's very into the self. And how does self feel? And not that it's, like, it's not, I don't think it's selfish. Because I think I now understand you and yourself. I have a deep understanding of what the self is for you. And that you have your own theory of mind and your own internal landscape of emotions and desires and ambitions and fears and all of that i deeply know that because i'm in touch i'm in touch with mine i mean may not be in touch but that fi is there for me and that fi in me can connect to the fi in you but i think my heart coach is fe i n f j is fe and it's auxiliary And uh, that is what I'm trying not to do. It overrides itself to take care of others. I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. Now, does that mean I have to be lonely? I don't even experience loneliness. Like that's not, let me put it this way. If I'm lonely, then it's not registering to me as lonely. There are times when I feel lonely. Or a longing or they feel like there's a void. But I don't move about in the world as a solo person. That doesn't mean loneliness for me. <clears throat> you know, that's one of the reasons why I love that solo podcast. Because those people on that podcast, every episode is just yummy. Oh, you got to check that episode. That, And I don't like to endorse projects. But I think I'm endorsing that that project because it's giving visibility to me. <laughs> right? It's a, it's carving out of me in the world. And so solo doesn't mean lonely. And so that's what I really love about that. So, but I think, and I'm going to start closing. I think this point is, is valid though. In my sensitivity to harm, in my proficiency with setting boundaries and no, and loving the self. What am I going to allow? What harm am I gonna allow? And I definitely I have to write it out. I think one number one is I don't I'm not skittish to harm. That's not the so when I'm like, I'm not doing that, I don't think it's the I don't think it's level one harm. You did something, it hurt me, it hurt my feelings. No. Mm, it's not my feelings. It's it's my agency. It's my agency, my dignity, anything that relates to my personal power. And you know what? I don't even experience. I have to think about. I'm gonna have to spend some time thinking about harm. And I'm I'm using that word, but like, have I really unpacked that? But for me, the harm is it. What? It's not anything that. Again, it's not about hurting my feelings. But it is about situating me, at, and making me, and trying to render me inferior, powerless, unworthy, less than, dehumanizing. No, I'm not doing that. That's I'm not that. That that's what I mean by harm. So God, that's good. I just broke that open. That's what I mean by harm. And then when I bring that to you. So that's level. That's the level one. You do something that tries to strip me of my power. My dignity. My worth. My humanness. Okay. You didn't mean it. That's fine. You didn't know you did it. That's fine. I bring it to you to talk it out. And then you. Because this is when you double down. Because in some. In some. For some reason in your mind. You believe you are superior. And that. That piece of my own humanity that I'm advocating for you don't believe I deserve it so you double down and that's a no go that's when it's a no go <clears throat> and I think and, and here's the this is the last piece I think is critical um, I think because I'm now so mm, not rehearsed and train. I think now because I've studied it, this thing, this act of dehumanizing, oppression, marginalizing, making inferior, making subhuman, right? That's something I study. Oftentimes I study it as it relates to race. I study it as it relates to class, gender, sexuality. I've been studying it as it relates to age. Like what what? how we dehumanize young people because they're not adults. Oh, there's a lot there. <clears throat> That's my work. So I know with the pattern of de- dehumanization doesn't ha- happen in a single act. It takes a series of single acts. So the single act is a, is valid. It is a thing to recognize. But it doesn't all happen in a single act. It requires a single act but it's not completed in a single act. Okay, so I now know how that rolls out. I know how it rolls out as a pattern, and I know how it rolls out as a single act. Uh, We're going to test it here. We're going to do the single act, and then we're going to come back and layer it. We're going to do another thing. I've studied that. I know how it works. I know the operations of it. So now when I see the single act... And even though oppression and dehumanization doesn't all happen in a single act, I see the single act and I know where it's going. Uh, we could call it the ecology of dehumanization. I know it. So now when I see the single act, my sensitivity to it is like, uh uh-uh. uh, nope. And that is happening as I'm getting to know new people and I'm trying to build this social world. And this is the valid point. I think I feel like I've said this conversation before with you all. This feels a little deja vu, if you will. But this is what I think. This is the positive that I'm going to take out of this conversation with my heart coach. As I'm getting to know new people. If I'm doing the, my job right and I'm picking people that are the right people for me, then when they do a single act of harm, what am I gonna do with that single event? Am I gonna connect it to the ecology of harm? Or am I gonna be like, Oh, that's fine. That's not a big deal Or do I see it, recognize it, and hold on to it. You did and then am I gonna say three strikes you're out? I don't know. But I think i want to i think that's a worthy question. How am I going to discriminate against normal day daily harm as my heart coach is saying, and the harm that I'm saying hell no to and I think I need to question am I putting those two together and i think it's even questionable to say is there such thing as daily normal harm i don't even know if i agree with that i should name this episode harm but i haven't unpacked it yet i I gotta i'm gonna have to study it so for now what i'm saying is that number one I have to continue to work to find out who are my people that I want to do social with, number one. Number two, who are my people that I want to do intimacy with, within that social. See, I've got to get the social thing together. And I'm starting to have a sense of who that is and who it isn't. I'm just starting to get it. And I've been moving about in a social space that isn't me. And it probably was never me. But it really isn't me now. And all of those friendships that came out of that social space. No. Because I no. But now I need a new space. You guys know I went to a new church two weeks ago. And that, I don't think I unpacked that with you. But part of me going to that space was really about me acknowledging that, me trying to do the work of being in a different social space. And, and saying it's not going to be perfect. And they're gonna do, okay, okay. That's where I'm going I'm getting close here for real. This is it. An act of harm is only harmful if I say it's harmful. Mm, if it wounds me, the act in and of itself is not the harm. It's the impact of the act. So, yes, I can discriminate by saying, when you did that act, you weren't, you weren't trying to have that impact. I could give you the benefit of the doubt. But, but because I've studied the ecology of harm, it's very rare. It, I, don't, I don't know how often I would say, that act right there, it was harmful. But that's, it, it was only harmful because it's my shit. My woundedness. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm really going to sit there, but I I do want to delineate between the act and the impact. Nope, nope, nope. There are three. There's intention, act and impact. And when you go to that RICO conversation, (laughs) when you go to that RICO conversation, when I was talking about that RICO law that allows you to um, really go after organized crime especially when to go after the leader of that crime when the leader stays clean. But the lead, the crime wouldn't have happened without the leader, although the leader is not doing anything, right? That's a fascinating construct. So I've brought that in to talk about psychological harm, right? And in that RICO's construct, you have to have acts, you got to have an impact, and you have to have intention, Right? So as I think about how I'm going to discriminate with harm, I'm going to think about the act, the impact, and the intention. And a part of me wants to say that there's a fourth piece, the pattern. And the pattern is a pattern even before it becomes a pattern. And I'm saying that through my training. Right. And I think, I think the pattern is established by way of the intention. Because if the intention is there, then there's going to be a pattern. If the intention is not there, then that's an incidental act of harm. And if it's an an incidental act of harm, then there's no impact. So I think I'm going to discriminate based on intention. I know what my heart coach is going to say. Well, how do you know what intention is? Well, then that's going to get to other acts of human other kind of conversations around being human because to be human is to have subjectivity. And the moment somebody tells you that you can't have your subjectivity that is an act of dehumanizing. So this has been good. So this has been good. Hey you guys if this reflection has had any value for you give it a heart. If this conversation about trying to discriminate acts of harm mm -mm, just trying to discriminate between an act of harm being intentionally harmful or incidentally harmful intentionally versus incidentally trying to determine when do you need to see the pattern before you recognize it is, there is a pattern trying to determine so that then the other piece of it is that the other so that was one part of this conversation and there was another part of the conversation I spent a lot of time in and trying to talk about how do you care and you love for some how do you care and love and do intimacy when your intimacy model which you inherit as a map was broken I feel like I have talked about this before but I know it. in order for me to really heal and get it, I have to be on repeat. How do you love and, and do intimacy when your model for love and intimacy work was pretty jacked up? And you can get to the place where you say, I'm not going to do it that way. You can say that. I'm, I've done that. That's the part I can say. Gold medal. Got it. Where's my, where's my award? Got that, but now I need to press on, and it's not enough to say I'm not doing that. It's now what I have to learn to say is I'm doing that. Do you hear? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm gonna become so proficient in saying I'm not doing that. You hear the attitude? I'm not doing that. Well, I need to get to the place where I have the same level of attitude saying I'm doing that. What am I going? I'm so comfortable in talking about what I'm not going to do. I need to be able to think about what I am going to do. I need to spend time in that. And find the people that I can do that thing with. That's my assignment. And if that is a part of a conversation. That's kind of what I've talked about here. And you know obviously talking about this thing with my person. As I'm trying to care for her in this very dark season trying to care for her, trying to feel like, find my own feelings, trying to care for me what does it mean to be a good person to another person who's going through this, what are reasonable boundaries to have hey, if any of this any of these talking points relate to conversations you've had in the world would you take this link and share it with those participants, and it's okay don't do a Don't do a blind share. Do a meaningful share. Say, hey, fast forward. There's an episode on that solo podcast. Uh, There's a lady who is um, living with cancer. It's being solo living with cancer. That episode, I have never given a heart to an episode. I always tell you all to give it a heart. I like things on YouTube, but in podcast land, I don't heart it. It's just not part of my process. I hearted that episode. And I shared it and the people I've shared it with are sharing it. It's a really good episode. I don't know why I mentioned it. Oh, oh, so when you're sharing it, talk about why you're sharing it, which is when I shared it with people, I said, hey, fast forward to this minute marker. So would you do that when you share this episode? Tell the people that you are sharing it with what part of the reflection that they should go to so that it has value for them. And it has value for me because I'm bringing people to me who get it. We share similar values. We're on a similar mission around self-actualization. I'm looking for those people. So please make sure that when you share it, share it meaningfully. And if my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Twitter, yournidom one formerly known as excuse me the ex formerly known as twitter you i down one facebook and youtube i just got a new follower on youtube <laughs> so i don't know what has happened because i haven't listened i've not gone to my youtube channel in a while but when i logged in yesterday i was like oh i got a new follower yay yeah you <laughs> because i'm about that life uh, anyway so youtube and facebook you're i down let me give you your assignment I feel like I want to ask you two questions. They relate. I just don't have the level of sophistication or knowledge yet to know how they relate. Number one, how do you do care work? Do you do care work with boundaries? If you do, what are those boundaries? And why do you put those boundaries there? If you do care work, that's boundless. No boundaries. Why? And how's that working out for you? (laughs) And it's probably because you're in a space that, that you don't have to worry about harm if you are. But just process that i would love to have that answer um the second question is what is intimacy and how do you do intimacy do you set boundaries what do you do with intimacy i feel like i should say more but that's all i have you guys it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until i come back be well bye